Good afternoon. This is a great day in Saratoga Springs. Sitting, perched. Perched high above the thirsty owl. It's the Josh and Joe podcast. And we're back. Yeah, I feel like it's been a minute. It has been a minute. Because we we record them and then we kind of keep them in a jar and release them as we see fit. And we've run out. But we've, well, now we got a little T-Swift action. Already uploaded. Is it up today? Yes, it is. Oh, wow. That was a fun one. That was a fun one. So we got to knock out a couple here before uh, Seek and I take off for Point South, huh? For vacay, Easter vacay, which I'm sure you're so excited about. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, of course. And hopefully we'll hear from the road. But today's topic... It's burning up the news channels and podcasts and articles everywhere. This is something that uh, we thought about talking about, and Josh got all fired up about it. So intro, please. Yeah, so let's do it this way. So this podcast is largely about relationships, communication, and and how to essentially build a better mousetrap and how to operate better moving forward. It's not just romantic ones, just work. As Family, whatever. Yes. Be a better human, chat more, talk more, communicate, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of how we operate moving forward is predicated upon the narratives that are kind of the result of what the perception of of events in relationships, romantic, professional, family, um, how we act. Like if we screw up in life, if we screw up at a job, if we screw up in a relationship, and our ability to forgive ourselves, to control that narrative in our mind. Because I think the part that, that keeps us from sleeping, when we have a tough relationship, when we have a tough romantic endeavor and it doesn't go to plan or someone behaves poorly, and probably, I mean, if numbers add up correctly, half the time it's probably our fault. If there are two <laughs> people in a relationship. So if there's two people in a relationship, and if a relationship screws up, usually, you know, it's some sort of, conglomerate of miscues that maybe both have made right but sometimes that you know the last straw item is a singular event Mm -hmm. and if the numbers are right if two people are in a relationship for the most part sometimes there's more than two people (laughs) or sometimes in the like the masturbation episode sometimes there's one person in that relationship (laughs) (laughs) is it the left hand or the right hand that's screwed up (laughs) yeah well if you want it to feel like a stranger use the offhand right (laughs) Did that just happened. Yeah, that just happened. Um, but yeah, so, and I think a lot of times is when you have that narrative, what holds you back, so you perceive the events that happen. You perceive them as they're happening and the very near future. It's still, I would call, perception of the events. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know when the time really changes. And this is, I don't, I'm not saying this is cutting edge stuff. But I think it kind of is because perception is tough enough. Oh, you know, Pete was such a dick. You know, he never made me coffee. He was boning other chicks. Um, He sucked at his job and he brought that home all the time. He didn't do chores around the house. Pete is a fictitious person. I'm not suggesting that Pete was someone that you dated or had a relationship with. And we just... That's our perception of why the relationship isn't working. And then the narrative was, the narrative down the road is like, yeah, the guy's a leader. Pete sucked. Right. Yeah. Pete sucked. You know, and then, you know, you control, and I don't want to make it so simplistic, but I mean, the narrative going forward is, 
you know, guys suck or, you know, or if you feel like you know that you screwed up in a relationship, then you're the bad guy and you don't deserve to be happy in a relationship and you'll self-sabotage or, you know, I get a little sick of that narrative as well. But I think it does happen from time to time. And I'm sure we all have that or we all have that kind of narrative of, you know, maybe this is going really well and I don't deserve it or I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. I never understood that. Did the first shoe drop? (laughs) Why, would, uh, why are you waiting for the other shoe to drop, to drop when nothing bad has yeah, happened I, yet? I, that's a, that's a bad thing. saying. We need to rethink that saying. one. But anyways, so the narrative concept is where I'm starting with this episode. And I think this is going to be a two-parter. Mm-hmm. I would love to keep it at an hour each and maybe even knock them both out. Okay. Today. But the narrative isn't always in a romantic endeavor. Narratives take place all the time. Yeah. Trump being brought up and being indicted in all these charges. Does that really change the narrative with Donald Trump? My 12 year old kid, I had a conversation with him after taking BP in the morning the other day. So we were at, we were at the, uh, the Wilton Y and we took BP for a few minutes and he was hitting it really well. So I said, we're just going to end on that. I'm not going to wait until we not hit, until we're not hitting it well. And he's rolling it over to third. I'm going to, if he's hitting bombs then let's get that out of here and spend a little extra time at Stewart's. So while we're at Stewart's, of course, the TV's on in there. They always have that TV, and they were talking about Trump being brought up on 34 charges or 53, whatever it is. In New York, right. And see what Seiko says to me? And this is why we got to get him started with this podcast. He goes, you know what? Anyone else, if they're indicted on all these charges, it would really bring a negative connotation, a real negative feeling to them, and you you would feel lesser for them or you'd think they're a crook or whatever and he goes you know i just look back to the debate when he talked about how all of hillary's um you know folks that uh helped fund her um candidacy and and um said that he's like well you know what i i don't think i cheat on my this is what trump says i don't think i cheat on my taxes but i use the same loopholes that your people do i know exactly which ones to jump through and how to pay less and and everyone's like whoa whoa you know yeah. that's amazing that he said that but it's true you know we got to button this stuff up you know and seco says you know i don't love trump and he you know being brought up on all these charges, we already know that he operated on the very fringe of the law all the time anyways. He would brag about it. Right. So I don't feel any differently today about him than I did three days ago before he was indicted on all these charges. You know? So the narrative on Trump is that he, he's a maverick, he does his own thing, and you know he operates on the fringes of the law, and he loves getting away with it because that's a lot of what he sees as power. Mm-hmm. And he's like, the narrative doesn't change after all of that. So he uses the word narrative, and that's what this whole podcast is going to mm. be about. So the example that I wanted to use that's really out there because it touches on race, it touches on sports, it touches on gender in sports, it touches on a lot of really cool things, is the whole LSU-Iowa Women's National Championship game and the narrative that comes out of that Mm -hmm. um, with Angel Reese, the star player for LSU, and Caitlin Clark, the star player for Iowa. Mm-hmm. So the final in that game was, was it 102-87? 85. 85. So LSU wins by a sizable margin in that way, even though even though this is, a, this is also interesting. Yeah. Iowa, Iowa, the, Iowa was the yeah. favorite in that game. I mean, clearly you know that in basketball, 
if you know so little about sports that you don't know that you're trying to score more points than the other, I am not going to help our (laughs) listeners with that. But um, Iowa was the favorite to win that game. They were were favored by three points. When Mm -hmm. I say favored in Vegas, sets the line, the point spread on who's so. But that's a very small favorite. That's a very small favorite. Like that's almost a pick 'em. A pick 'em would be like when there's no line, it just says the teams are equally matched. So, anyways, LSU wins measurably. And who who had been, you know, for the most part, the best player on the team for LSU the entire year, Angel Reese, who happens to be black. Um, and she, Caitlin Clark is Caitlin white. Caitlin Clark is white, plays for Iowa. And Iowa is a predominantly white team. There are mm-hmm. people of color on that team, but mm-hmm. predominantly a white team. And LSU is predominantly a black team. I think she said <clears throat> there were only two white players on the team in LSU. Okay. And, and maybe they didn't see a bunch of minutes. But Iowa yeah. reached the finals, was the, f- was the favorite in the finals. So mm-hmm. that means Vegas thinks if, if that game was played 10 times, that Iowa would probably win at six. And I don't disagree with that. I don't think LSU is inherently a significantly better team. Is that how it played out that day? Yes. I trust Vegas more than I trust someone who's breaking down the game after and just says, yeah, LSU was just outclassed Iowa. Yes, in that day. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. So but but the people that do this for a living and set lines thought that Iowa was a slightly better team. So if they played 10 times, LSU wouldn't win 10. And obviously, Iowa wouldn't win 10 because the first game they played and they're only going to play one game. The championship is one game. Mm-hmm. Maybe it should be a best two out of three. I don't know. But that's not what the debate is uh-huh. today. What I wanted to talk about is the narrative that is being set by what happened with Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark after the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and LSU wins by a measurable portion, by 17, I believe. Is that right? Uh, yes. Um, and Angel Reese, who, again, was the, the black player for LSU, um, in the waning moments of that game, kind of walked over in the direction of and facing Caitlin Clark and did the John Cena move where he waves his hand in front of his face and... You know, I, I actually listened to John Cena talk about what that is, and it's just someone dared him to do it one time when he was wrestling. He's used to wrestle for whatever it was, WWE or whatever it right. is. And it was like, you can't see me. Like, he's so, st- I don't know if it's stealth-like or if he's just so good and intimidating. That it, but that was just his thing. He would wave yeah. his hand in front of his face. Yeah, it, it was And a, a lot of athletes have done that yeah. fun move just because it's like a nod to wrestling and just a funny thing to do. Yeah. And it is a... It's a funny thing because it's a cute thing as well where the what the message is, I'm so good, you can't see me, I'm untouchable, I'm invisible, I'm stealth. Well, so that's what he used it for. Correct. And it was just, and when he did it, he was dared to do it when he was out wrestling in front of, you know, millions of people to watch. And he did it just because it's like a just joke with his friend. Yep. And Caitlin Clark had d- done that in the regional final or the regional, like in the Sweet 16 game against Louisville. But she did it looking at her own bench, like just saying like, hey, I'm, I'm having a great game. It wasn't a taunting item. Aha, uh-huh. there lies the difference. It, it lies yeah. a little bit of a difference. But I, I'm not going to sit here and say that Angel Reese was wrong for doing it. And then also right afterwards, she also motioned to her ring finger of her left hand that, you know, we're going to win the national championship. So we get uh-huh. a championship ring. And that was, it was very... It was abundantly clear that was done to be in, you know, she didn't walk right in her face, but in her very close proximity within a couple of feet of her and looking at her as she did it. And Caitlin Clark certainly knew that it was happening, but she chose not to make eye contact and just kind of be like, yeah, I'm walking towards my bench and I'm getting ready to go through the high five line, you know, shake hands. And so 
very shortly after that, everyone hit Twitter. And I don't want to talk about Twitter too much because I think that's Twitter's just a fun platform for mild hate speech at this point in time. <laughs> and so Twitter's not done Instagram, much for us. Instagram, the whole us. thing, right? Um, All of the above. But a lot of people really broke her chops for that. And I thought that was unfounded. We've gotten kind of, in, in the days in the days that have gone by in the last handful of days, we've kind of gotten past breaking her chops for that. And the, uh, a huge for, reason for, for hold that. Hold on, for being unsportsmanship or maybe not even as classy as people would. It was a little, a little classless, maybe. Yes. But that's how she chose her moment. Yes. Now, I think it's interesting to know because race, we're going to get into the race part of this here in a mm-hmm, minute. But mm-hmm. uh, the, the interesting thing is, is Caitlin Clark had another great game, statistically probably as good as the games that she played previous to that when she scored 40 points. She scored 30 in the final, but that's not the measure of how good you play. The, the measure is like, what did you, what percentage did you shoot? If you, anyone can score 30 points if they shoot the ball 50 times. How efficient was your scoring? Did you also distribute the ball? Did you rebound the ball? She had a very good game. In fact, I mean, you could probably make an argument that she had a better game than Angel Reese did. But Angel Reese has a, has a deeper team. LSU is a deeper team. In fact, Angel Reese, who ended up winning the player, the, the tournament MVP, which that's debatable. We'll talk about that here mm-hmm. in a second. Uh, she had 15 points and 10 rebounds. There were two two other players on her team who statistically had a better game than she did. But throughout the year, Angel Reese was the class of that team. There's no question about okay. it. In fact, they called her the Bayou Barbie. Are you familiar with that? Yes, did you I, look that I up? did read that. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I just want to kind of set it up. So now we're in a situation where here's what you got. You got LSU who wins as a very slight underdog in the final. Um, a predominantly black team mm-hmm. in LSU beating mm-hmm. a predominantly white team in mm-hmm. Iowa. Mm-hmm. And you had probably the best player in the country all year was Caitlin Clark, who still had a very nice game in the final. And Angel Reese had a good but not great game in the final. And she wins. So LSU wins the championship. Mm -hmm. Angel Reese shortly thereafter wins the tournament MVP, which Mm -hmm. that's up, up for debate. I think if Iowa wins that game even by a point, Caitlin Clark wins the tournament MVP. If she scored the same amount of points and the same stat line right. and Angel Reese would not have. So it's, I think they just kind of gave that to the winner. Right. However, you could make the argument that Caitlin Clark had a measurably better tournament by the stats. Okay. okay? So Angel Reese wins the game. Her team wins. Mm-hmm. She wins the tournament MVP and then kind of because she gets some initial backlash about maybe not being super Sportsman-like in the waning moments. Mm -hmm. She has launched over the last handful of days a fairly uh, racially charged... um, Discussions. Discussion, protest, whatever you'd want to call it. And then I want to kind of get to that and then just talk about the narrative. And and if if we feel like it's a just narrative, if it's not... I mean, a narrative is a beautiful thing because it's subjective by nature. Right. There's objectivity and there's subjectivity. And a narrative, by design, is probably going right. to be fairly subjective. Go okay. ahead. Okay, so take the race out of this for a second because sure. it has become a racially charged Hugely. debate, discussion, whatever you want to call it. But from a sportsmanship perspective, I mean, you played professional golf. You've coached lots of teams. You know, you coach your kids' team. Uh, you've seen so many games, both live and, and, and in person. I'm sorry, live or on television. Mm-hmm. 
how do you feel about the trash talking and the gestures and the mind games? Because yeah. what I also read is that this particular gesture is done by a lot of people across all different types of sports. With the ring or the the, the can't see the, me? The can't see me, no. uh, John Cena. So so just, just as a general thing, how do you, if your son went, you know, scored a touchdown or threw a pass and scored a touchdown and he did that my uh, can't see me gesture on the field this summer how would you approach that yeah and that's a, that's a him? cool question so it, you know and i also wanted to talk about the prep for this podcast was crazy because i wanted like there's this topic there's this thing there's nothing there's so many little ones so, so just to touch on celebration for a hot second it has changed a lot it has changed a lot over probably the last 10 or 15 years and it's changed the most in major league baseball used to be back in the day, you hit a home run, you'd put the bat down, you'd set it down almost. Ah. And you would run around the bases at an appropriate speed. Not too fast because you're showing people up. Not too slow because you're showing people up. Showing people up meaning you're kind of shitting on the pitcher. Right, because everybody's team. clapping. Well, if you're yep. going slow, you get more clapping. But to right. hit a ball over a fence 400 feet away is a pretty cool feeling. So it's really hard to not want to celebrate that. Oh, yeah. I remember the first time I hit a legitimate home run. I was in eighth grade. It wasn't a Little League home run because the fence is 210 feet, whatever. And I hit a few of those in Little League, but I didn't. So then I went back, I took two years off, and then I played as an, as an eighth grader against like major league length fence. And one of the first pitches I saw after not hitting a baseball for two years was a home run to straightaway center into these pine trees. And the fence was 400 feet. So I hit it 410, 415. Wow. Which is a major league home run by a long shot, right? Wow. And I remember you know, going over first base and running towards seconds and going, did that just happen? Uh. Hands were in the air. I didn't bat flip. It was very hard for me to not want to do the things that people are doing now. So now... Human in nature. It, in most of it, most of this is the influx of other cultures into major league baseball. Mm. Major league baseball was a predominantly white American sport for 100 years. And then 80s, 90s, you had a lot of um, kind of Latin American, uh, a lot of Dominican players, a lot of players from the Caribbean, the north part of South America. And they just played the game differently. They all played it differently there. They played it with much joy, with much fanfare. If you ever went to go watch a Dominican League game, they're beating on drums the whole time. They're playing music. It is a party for nine innings. That's cool. Whereas you watch it in North America and people are essentially sitting on their hands until Aaron Judge hits one 450 feet, right? So I think it's really been cool, the energy that's been brought into the game, but now you're bringing these two different cultures in there and now you get a home run and you bat flip, like you flip the bat and you celebrate and you point to your dugout. And even 15 years ago, that did not happen. So Mm. now, and I'll, I'll bring race into this, I'm happy to. If the, pitcher is a white american guy and some you know dominican guy hits a home run and pimps his home run when i say pimps it kind of celebrates it right. flips his bat five years ago ten years ago the next pitch he saw was in his ear hole they threw at him <gasps> they would actually physically they would throw at they him. would and there's hardly anything more him. dangerous in sports than throwing yeah. a hundred mile an hour pitch at your ear hole ear hole is the part where you can listen through a helmet because you know you, you need to be able to hear and not just protect your skull but i mean it has changed so much. So I would say that's kind of almost where it starts, the change. Mm-hmm. Um, but and then sports, I mean, like trash talking. Trash talking in basketball is 
ages old. I mean, you talk about it all the time. Larry Bird was probably one of the biggest trash talkers. A white, a white guy, guy from the middle lighter. of America. Right. He was the whitest guy in the world. Right. I mean, you're talking wearing 80 sunscreen for that guy, right? right? Um, but Patrick Beverly, I mean, what happened at the end of the Women's National Championship game, if that's all the taunting, taunting that Patrick Beverly did in an NBA game, people would think he was ill, like he had a high fever. Like if he just went like this and showed like putting a ring on his hand, people would think there was something wrong with him. That's right, right, right. So it's part of the men's game. So then you bring it into the women's game, and then is is Angel Reese a jerk because she did that? Of course not. She's just expressing herself. Now, I will say this. So we'll get back to the Seiko thing. Yes. If I worked really hard all year, and if I really did feel there was a, still a, you know, a, a large racial component to people are betting against us, just take a piece of gum out. Well, I don't know right, why. Sorry. You're just, just grab, just I, grab it. Just grab it. It's noisy. Yeah, I, have, I have a bag of pina colada flavored ice cubes, <laughs> and she's trying so hard to get them out of the little container. Just grab it. <laughs> Without making I'm noise. more concerned with you chewing gum on the microphone than I am of you getting the gum out of the bag. But I think you'll do a wonderful job. That was our commercial I high break. Hopes. I have high hopes for you. <laughs> Um, folks, buy uh, ice breakers, ice cubes, pina colada flavor. Mm-hmm. That's not, we're not getting any money from that. No. I shouldn't have said that. Okay. But I mean, so, you know, in this game, she's celebrating that way. And, you know, if you felt like you were the underdog all year, if you felt like Caitlin Clark was a media darling all year, and if you think race had something to do with that, which I don't think that it does. I mean, the woman make her average three-pointer this year was from 24 feet, 25 feet, 26 feet which is NBA plus like what she does. She is the Steph Curry because she can handle the ball really well. She distributes the ball. Well, she assists to her other players on her team and she can shoot at a very high percentage. She shoots 40% from three from so far beyond the three point line. It's very, very exciting. Mm-hmm. So if you think that she's a media darling, cause she's white, then why is Steph Curry such a media darling? And why is he the league MVP when he's doing the same thing? And he's, a person of color. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't buy that. But if she really did buy that narrative in that they were in the underdog and they're this team, they're this team, right? They're this, they're more of a team while Caitlin Clark just kind of drags her team along and plays more of an individual game and mm-hmm. scores all mm-hmm. these points. And, um, you know, she's scoring whatever, I would say probably 30% of her team's, you know, points throughout the season. And that's more of a one man show. Why would you choose to celebrate in that fashion? So that's that would be my only question for her. I mean, you can be, and I don't like these words, you know, it can be fierce. You can be a girl boss. Like, I just, I hate those words because it, it almost negates a female's, a woman's experience just right off the get-go. Right. You know, like, oh, you can you can be, like, I need permission to act any certain way as, as a woman. And I, I don't love that. I mean, I love, of course you can act however you'd like to act and you can celebrate however you'd want to celebrate. Right. I mean, but you're reacting to emotion in the moment. So to ask her to, you know, celebrate a different way, I would love to see the second that she know that that thing was in the bag is to go over and hug her teammates. If you're, if it's such a team sport and such a team effort, whereas Caitlin Clark's experience has been more of an individual one, why would you go over there and wave your hand in her face and point to the ring? Like you should go over and be, giving high fives and hugs to your teammates. So that's kind of more how I see it. But I don't have any problem with like the showmanship of that and like showing Caitlin Clark up. That's just part of sports now. So that was... It's just part of sports now. So so that is one of the things that uh, is uh, her reaction to then now we can uh, talk a little bit about it in a little bit with Jill Biden's um, 
invitation to both teams to come to the White House and not just a champion. Yeah, we can't even gloss over even what you just said. Right. Like, I really so, want to get to that. But right. let me just let me get to the Seiko thing. So you said, like, if Seiko just threw a touchdown yes. pass. If he did the John Cena move with a hand in his face to another kid, I would have pulled him out of there by his collar. Okay. If he did that to me as his coach on the sideline, like, look at me, I'm having a good game, and he just did that thing to me, yeah. I would laugh. I'd think it's really cute, you know? And if he came over to me and kind of did the ring thing, like, I don't, I don't like the ring thing. That kind of gets into Johnny Manziel. That kind of gets into some other things. And I want to touch on him in a, in a yeah. few minutes too. But I don't think – I think taunting someone – is accepted now, and I guess I have to be okay with it. Not that anyone should really care about what my opinion is and how people celebrate mm-hmm. athletic prowess, but um, it's just part of the thing. I had no problem with it, and Caitlin Clark had no problem with it. She yeah. said after the game, right. and she continues to be interviewed and asking about, like, you know, she's really starting to play a race card with the, you know, Obama comments and and all that and she just says no she's a great player i'm a big fan of hers and she's great for the game and and they keep you know kind of probing her to ask about the celebration she's like we're both trash talkers that's just how it works and if i won i probably would have done something fairly similar and i don't know how she would have reacted but you know what it didn't happen they kicked our ass they played a great game. I have nothing but respect for LSU, their coach, and Angel Reese. Which is a really, really cool reaction to the it's entire a great, thing. It's a great reaction. So my question is, part of the narrative that is being told quite possibly is made up by the outsiders. Maybe uh, in this case with um, Jill Biden, she felt like because at least Angel Reese's perspective Yeah, is, and that's important here. So a perspective in the moment. Yes. And then it becomes a narrative, correct. right? So, so the perspective she has, from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, is that Jill Biden... Who is what color? White. I mean, again... Whiter than white. M- more sunscreen than, than you can imagine. Right. Uh, said that she would like to invite both teams, the, the champion and the loser, the losing team, to the White House... In on behalf of women and basketball, because it's such a great effort. Great effort. It was a great game. It was a great game, but it was a little bit of a blowout too. I mean, seventeen points is quite yeah, it's big. Not a close, it's yeah. not a close game. It wasn't. It wasn't a close game. So Angel Reese's reaction to that was, "No, thank you. This is a joke." And she well, tied her, it to her reaction to the press sec- secretary from the White House, kind of pulling back on that comment. Yes. Was I don't accept her apology. It's a joke. That was that and, was and a, that the right. invitation for both teams, because in, in a very long history of presidents inviting Super Bowl champions, champions, uh, Major League Baseball, World it's Series champions, champions. Um, you know, NCAA, you know, champions. Whoever wins is always gets invited to the White House. Right. And I don't know that it's ever been. And I'm not, I don't want to do this research for this podcast. I don't want to know if any runner-up has ever been invited. But I don't believe that's been the case. Uh, it is and it's not been talked not, about. And it's not been talked yeah, it's about. It's staunchly not the case. So actually. my problem is, and if Joe Biden was gay and had a significant other that was a man, um, if he was married and had a... I, it's just it's a bad look when it doesn't seem like politics but everything is politics when you're a politician. Yes. Okay. So for Jill Biden to speak for Joe <laughs> and go, oh, we should have losers come too. It just, you know, well, it was such a, little, I know what you're saying. Little, But Jill should have just said, and I'm not in the business of telling someone what to say, especially if, if they don't have a penis, because that's when you run into trouble. 
is when some white guy tells some woman what they should have or shouldn't have said. But Jill, if it's never happened before, why would you do it now? Right. When there's this big racial undercurrent in this game, why would you say Iowa should be invited too? Because they all tried so hard. So basically, perception-wise, one could say or one perspective is the black team won, but she's also allowing the white team to come to the White House. Well, that's what Angel's, Angel Reese's perspective was on it, is that, but, and she says, well, if, if Iowa won and the black team finished second, would she have said the same thing? She basically doesn't even question that. She's for sure saying right. LSU would not You know have what? Been As I sit here, she's probably right. It was the second thing is And that's and that is what systemic racism is. It's the little things. Will we know if Jill would have said if I if, if we had Jill on the on the podcast right now and I said I Jill have an answer for this. Would you have had LSU there? Would you have said the same thing if LSU lost? She would of course say as a politician, Oh of yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In my heart of hearts, two things. Okay. I don't think she would have, right. and I don't think she wouldn't have from a racist I don't think she's inherently racist, but that is what systemic racism is. Or at least it's kind of it subconscious. Out, it's playing out that way, isn't 100%. it? One hundred percent. Right. So, actually, I didn't want the racism thing to be the topic of the Jill Biden invitation for now, because yeah. that's absolutely a topic we're going to continue to talk about. But on back on the sportsmanship, there was also a question about whether or not Jill Biden invited the Iowa losing team as well, because she felt that the gesture by Angel Reese of LSU was unsportsmanlike. So it was a, we're punishing the unsportsmanlike gesture by saying, hey, even the losing team should and be And that's the problem, is we'll never know what was in her head. Yes. We'll never know what was in her head. Yeah. And that's, you know, and that's the thing is like, what are we talking about here? We're talking about someone who did or didn't get invited to the White House because they played well at basketball. This isn't a huge topic, but when... When Angel Reese keeps bringing race into it, it just makes you have a discussion. Okay, I, listen, so do you blame I don't her? Care, I don't care about Angel Reese. I don't care about Caitlin Clark. I, they're both wonderful athletes. Right. They're as good of female basketball players have ever walked the earth. Mm-hmm. I played professional sports. I coached professional sports. I, co- I, I coached Division One NCAA level, playoff level teams. Across I mean, the country. I can't tell you. I have yeah. a very nice sports resume. Yes. I care far less about sports now than I ever have. And it's only going in that direction. It doesn't mean that I don't have respect for sports. But right now, Angel Reese, really, she's having her moment. She's having her 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. It will be over soon because when you reach the WNBA, oh, your average salary mm-hmm. is $102,000. The average salary in the NBA is $10 million. Um, The revenue generated by the WNBA, revenue, not profit, just revenue. Right. Ticket sales, merch. Yeah. $70 million for the WNBA. Is that all? NBA, $10 billion. Oh, my God. I did not know it was that huge of a discrepancy and i'm give i'm giving the wnba 70 because the last time they measured it was like 63 so i'm bumping that 
I'm trying to be objective. Yeah. So this is her moment. Mm -hmm. And the only thing I would want to say to 21-year-old Angel Reese is that I hope that women's basketball continues to grow. Because this is the first time they've ever been competitive with what the TV ratings were for the men's. There's a reason for that. You had tremendous star power. You had tremendous star power on the women's side with Caitlin Clark, who's probably the most talked about women's basketball player in a decade. And um, Angel Reese was also kind of hyped up. But I mean, like if you took all the hype out of 100%, I'm sure 70% of it was was aimed towards Caitlin Clark. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so they had 12.6 million people watch the game at, the, at its greatest peak at, the, at that point in time. Yeah, and, yeah. The, and, the, and then the men had 14.6, right. which is whatever it is, 18% higher. And that's the closest that gap has ever been. Okay. And there's reasons for that, that the, the men's tournament had a bunch of upsets and they had, you know, UConn is a blue blood ish type of college program. They have had success, but they haven't had it in a long time in stores. Isn't exactly, you know, it's not Boston. It's not New York. It's not Philadelphia. Um, it's not LA. It's mm-hmm. not Chicago. So it's not a huge, UConn's not a big draw. San Diego state sure as hell isn't Florida Atlantic university. Also in the final four, I mean, you'd be hard pressed to ask 100 Americans that were college educated if they've ever heard of Florida Atlantic University before this tournament started. Never. Okay. <laughs> so there are reason, there's a reason why the men's game was so down and why no one really watched that. But okay. that even that being said, 18% more people watched the men's final game than the women's. Right. So right. anyways, what so, I'm trying to say is women's basketball is in as good a spot as it's ever been. And there's the disparity between the men's and women's earning potential. So what I'm trying to say is, is what... Is that if Angel Reese understood that from name, image, and likeness, which is a new rule that you can actually make money as a college athlete when your name, image, or likeness is used, you're allowed to advert you're allowed to make advertising dollar. Okay. Mm, okay. She's probably making more right now or will in the next three or four months than she would probably playing in the WNBA. The highest salary in the WNBA is just over $200,000, $220,000. And the average is $102,000. There are some people on like weak contracts that are making ten grand, Mm -hmm. right? So she's making more now, and I think she'll have more notoriety in this moment now than she'll ever have. A hundred percent. And, you know, maybe maybe she's doing with this 15 minutes what she wants to be doing, which is talk about race. What's interesting because I, mean, I, you ha- I saw yeah, the notes yeah. you wrote. Like, yeah, yeah. what other? What I mean, uh, would you celebrate with your team? Would you be gracious? Would you go to the White House? Would you do those things, or would you just keep saying what you think is the most controversial? Okay, so I I, I watched an, a long podcast uh, interview. I'm sorry, an interview of uh, Angel Reese, and these were the points she made. First of all, the rivalry between the two schools, LSU and Iowa, actually, there isn't one. Well, the the they feeling, play in separate according, conferences. Uh, according to the team, the team's feelings. Forget okay. forget the schools. Okay. The team's feelings. I think were, of rivalry as something that happened over a hundred years. Oh no! If you just mean in that season and how yes, they were portrayed in the, in the media, I'll buy it. Apparently, okay. So tell me what you think the narrative was there. Apparently, Angel. This is what Angel said that there was a little bit of bad blood already between the two teams, and when I say team, the individuals inside the team, the players, because Iowa 
LSU felt disrespected their friends over at, in South Carolina. Iowa had done something or the players had done something that they felt disrespected to South Carolina. I will explain what that team. is. Okay. Because it's one thing to say it, but then to know sports. Sure, absolutely. So, so Iowa's thought process was, is that South Carolina is just a very athletic and a very aggressive team. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they felt like they don't shoot well from outside. Okay, mm-hmm. there's a three-pointer. If you shoot it behind this arc, it's worth three. You know that. Yep. You watch basketball. Yep. If you shoot it inside, it's worth two. Iowa's idea on how to beat South Carolina, who hadn't lost all year. Yes. They were undefeated. Yeah. And South Carolina was a big favorite in that semifinal game. And the reason Iowa won is because they, they, they were coached better. South Carolina made a lot of mistakes in that game. Um, and their biggest mistake was is they, they felt like Essentially, Iowa was daring them to shoot from the outside. And I think in a review of the statistics, as a team, they probably shot under 30% from three, which is not very good at all. So they said, go ahead and shoot it from out there. And there were a couple of points in the game where Caitlin Clark just said, yeah, have at it, Haas. I'm not even going to guard you. And that is a strategy. If you can't make an outside shot, we talk about it with Seiko's game. When you're a 12-year-old shooting at a 10-foot basket, you you know, it takes so much more energy to shoot the ball than it does if you're six foot four, hundred eighty-five pounds. You know, like if you're my height, it's just like a flick of the wrist to shoot it from three. Right. But for Seiko, he's got to use his whole body. You know what I'm saying? So you're not going to shoot at a higher rate, right? Okay. So, and they played it great. South Carolina made nothing from the outside, and Iowa just packed the paint, meaning just try to grab rebounds on their errant shots, and it worked great. LSU cannot be grumpy about the game plan well, that they know, had. Well, you know, we're talking about just, you know, team talk, whatever. And, and I they, mean, they if you want to call it. he literally, She literally said that. She was like, well, they just. You know, locker room bulletin board right. material exactly. to get them rallied. And, and that's I'm fine. Sure. But there's nothing disrespectful right. by not guarding someone who's shooting a three. It happens all the time in the NBA. Again, perspective, right? Personalities on the court. Yeah, so, but there, it, it is inherently wrong to say that. Iowa disrespected South Carolina. Well, South Carolina, if you shot threes better, then you wouldn't have had a problem. I agree. If you can shoot the ball better, there wouldn't be a problem here. So the second thing about the second point she's making. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. The second point she's making about Jill Biden is Jill Biden asked when she arrived in the arena to visit the girls' locker rooms before the game just to say hello. Okay. LSU said, no, thank you. We don't want you to come to our locker room to say hello. Iowa this is all said, substantiated? We know this happened? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Several articles on this, and it really did happen. And, and being in politics, that's a norm. Like, the, they would absolutely say hi to the players before the game. Absolutely. That's an honor, actually, in some circles. I don't know that that happens as often as you might think it does. She made a gesture. I. It's not beyond... Uh, an impossibility that Jill Biden would have said, hey, I'd like to say hello to the girls before they get on the court. Okay. Not an impossibility. So the second, Iowa said, sure, come and visit us and say hello before the game. So yeah. there was already a diss. Yeah. And the the question was, well, why did Ellis... What did you hear that? No? Where did you read that? Both both in the Angel podcast? Reese okay. um, saying Well, I'm not saying it's not right. I'm just, yeah. it's interesting. And in articles, several yeah. articles, because there's a lot of follow-on articles on what Jill Biden did. Do you did, believe, right? now, I would, not, if wrong. I were coaching a team. Wait, wait, hang on. Go ahead. So, so LSU said no, and the, the question was asked, why did, LSU, why did the whole team, not just Angel, say no thank you to Jill Biden? Well, apparently, Angel said that Joe Biden didn't even have them 
on his bracket. They were Joe Biden had them losing to Michigan. And so there was bad juju from the LSU team already about the Bidens in general, because apparently they didn't even make the bracket. So he, they said, you didn't even think we we're going to be winning. So you, why are you why are you coming to our locker room? But it's his wife. She didn't fill out a bracket. I get it. I, I, I'm just telling you where mm. the emotions were. So there was already a diss to Jill Biden prior to the game, which again adds to this notion of why, what, what was going through Jill Biden's brain when she said, have Iowa come to the White House as well. So there was an alignment and a kinship with Iowa because she was welcomed. That's a Big slap in the face to be denied visit Joe, by a, a first lady of walk the United it back, States. Politics girl, walk it back. Yeah, I'm just telling you what the back door you, is. You to coach a highly competitive Division One sport mm-hmm. requires a tremendous Maturity. resume to even get the job. Yeah, let alone to start winning. Coaching. Let alone to start recruiting well. Let alone to try to secure securing. Um, name image and likeness money for your kids so that they can choose your place to go to so you can care about them financially before they even get out of college there's so much that goes into that and then Mm -hmm. to win five games and get into the final of the ncaa tournament nationally televised game this is your chance to show up for your school to recruit moving forward why would a politician think that anyone wants their stupid ass in their locker room before the game because she's a first lady. She's the most unrecognizable first lady in the history <laughs> well, of American that's, that's, politics. That's beyond the point. And I have another fun fact that will blow but you're your trying, mind But you're later. trying to play the politics side. No, no, no. I'm playing the sports side. I'm the jock. You're the politician right. in this podcast. Right. I don't want anyone in that locker room that does that isn't going to play a role in, in putting my team in a better position to win. I don't disagree. I've got... My entire coaching career on the line. You want to come in here and, as a political move, say hi to my players. You don't care about it's my players. You don't care about basketball. Move. Absolutely, it's, it's horse. It's a terrible ask. Yes. It's, it's, it's a, a terrible it's ask. It's a thousand percent PR move, politically. Motivated. I wouldn't tell her to go shit in her hat because her husband didn't pick them in the bracket. I would tell her to go shit in her hat because you're not a politician. You're the wife of a politician, and you coming into my locker room is only going to distract my players. Right. Well, listen, and I'm, it could potentially one half of one percent undermine my ability to win this game. Exactly. So go sit in your, you know, in your Press suite. Whatever. Like I don't, I just don't want to hear yeah. it. But but that's what happened before the game. LSU wins, part? and then Jill yeah, Biden maybe. says, and then Jill Biden says, "Oh, why don't both teams come?" Because she felt maybe a more emotional attachment or contact with. Iowa, because she was welcomed by Iowa. We're not talking about sports in this podcast or just sports. We're talking about human emotion and how you then relate that to other people, which right. is what's really going on here. So but we also have to talk by. about perspective, and yes. Joe Biden needs to go down to the corner store and buy 10 cents worth of a different perspective Listen, and, th- and trying to steal the show from a bunch of th- really th- cool, really intelligent, really competitive awesome women that are trying to win a basketball game it's not your show man okay so with jill biden i think that's fair to say yeah absolutely and i think i do think i do have an answer to your question earlier what i most likely think to be the answer to the question why did jill biden invite the losing team I truly felt that she it came didn't from invite a them. She said they should, should be invited. invited. It was just, it was like a, to me, all that was, was she probably saw them all 
crying on the sideline. Yes. It was a grandmother moment. Like It, oh, it was. Like, yeah. oh, we should invite both teams. Yeah, I can see Kitty saying that, actually. But the whole thing is what it comes down to. And then we'll move on to the next yeah. you know, topic with this. But what it really comes down to is it's okay for her to have 17 missteps politically, which she did in the same game. I think she had this is a in, nightmare they do not in a, want in, in the a White three House right hour period of time. She had at least two missteps. She shouldn't have asked to visit the locker rooms before the game. If she wanted to go say hi to the winners afterwards, that's fine. You know, to say hi to the losers, that's tough because maybe they don't want to talk. Yeah. But to talk to them before the game and, and influence their preparation and screw up their mindset, it's just a bad look. Mm hmm. Yep. It's it's just being insensitive to the moments of people that have tried really hard to get there. Well, I have my personal um, opinion of Dr. Jill Biden because I studied her before. But that's not the for elections. this. That's not for this podcast. Um, the point I'm I actually 100 percent agree with you. It was just one misstep after the other. The motivations almost doesn't matter at this point. It's the perspe perspective now that people are having about Dr. Jill Biden as a white person with now, you know, Angel Reese, a fairly uh, regaled right now starlet in the world of sports and, you know, uh, women's rights and so forth. People are proud of her for standing up to the first lady or standing yeah. up to uh, the, the establishment, if you will. It, she did also say that before this game she had received a lot of hatred and being called ghetto and being called not classy so this is building up inside her as well because she did feel like um she does feel like she's supposed to be playing a role that, that she doesn't really fit into a box those are her words so there's some emotion behind well I, I know that you wrote down some quotes and, yeah. I, and i heard these live when they were happening and then she said that you know, a lot of people don't appreciate me because they think I'm too ghetto or I'm too this or too that. Yeah. And <clears throat> I mean, this is, do you know how many different directions we can go with yeah. cultural appropriation and, and um, you know, kind of race and cultural loyalty and how you're supposed to act versus how you're perceived? I mean, I mean, how many episodes of the amazing award-winning television show the Fresh Prince of Bel Air <laughs> tackled this one. Right. What's the, uh, what was, so you had the Fresh Prince, which is, what's his name? Uh, Will, Will Smith. Smith. And what was his, uh, what was his uh, cousin's, cousin's name? Cousin's name? Oh, you had to ask me that. Uh, Anna. R starts with an R. Uh, no, it doesn't. No, the real name of the guy yeah. starts with an R. And he does that weird dance. Yes, which still Well, lives. there was the episode where, they were rushing a fraternity, and it was a black fraternity. I don't know what school it's supposed to be. If it takes place Carlton in LA, Banks. Carlton. And so they're they're rushing their fraternity, and essentially, Will gets in. Will Smith gets in, mm -hmm. but Carlton doesn't because they saw him as a race traitor because he mm -hmm. acted very white and wore yeah. fancy clothes, and he didn't he. It didn't speak in a more ebonics type tone. Yeah. Okay. And so they kind of, you know, gave him shit for that. And that was like this big, you know, mm -hmm. it was the big theme and, and the big moral of the story for this one episode. And I think that's kind of what she's kind of talking about. I don't think she's dialing it back to a Fresh Prince episode. But she's saying, she's like, yeah, well, you know, if 
you guys didn't like all this, this is in the post game interview, like in the chairs yes. on the court. She's like, you know, I'm too ghetto. For, maybe I'm too ghetto for people. And she tries to play it like she came up in this super lower class Downtown setting. Baltimore. And that's just not the case. Yeah. I mean, she came up in an upper middle class family with two professional athletes. And it looks like she went to a parochial school, too. Like Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. But don't try to go so far in the other direction. You celebrated a certain way. It's not the way that I would choose, but I'm not you. And you don't have to celebrate that way that I would. You don't have to go over and play patty cake with, with Caitlin Clark. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to take the coach from Iowa out to dinner. You don't have to do that. Yeah. Um, you can do the John Cena. You can do the ring thing. But then she just, before there was even any chat about it, she turned it into a racist issue. You know, like, I know everyone thinks I'm too ghetto. <clears throat> and another point, she goes and says, you know, I just want, you know, you know, for people in this game, you know, that look like me, meaning black, you know, to be celebrated. I'm like, you know, and, and I'm, I'm stealing this quote from another editorial that I read. Everyone that plays basketball, everyone that's successful at women's basketball does look like you. Caitlin Clark is the anomaly would be the tiger woods in this situation right right i mean everyone you know tiger woods took golf by storm and no one can speak on this more than me because i played professional golf so and with him because he he was of color i wouldn't call i mean you can say he's black but you can also say he's asian you can say that i mean he's a a bunch of which is great i love didn't he call himself black and asian yeah he had some unique name for it um which is cool but you know, the anomaly in that final four wasn't you. It was Caitlin Clark. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and people are forgetting that. Everyone just wants to see their own perspective and their own narrative. And that's what this comes down to. And I can tie this right back into, you know, another podcast, which is what we're going to do. But I don't know what we're quite done talking about it. But, you know, she's like, I'm, maybe I'm too ghetto for everyone. Maybe I'm too. I just want to celebrate people that, you know, look like me. I'm like, you are celebrated. Like, do you know how many great black women's basketball players there have been there's been a handful of white ones but most of them have been black and that's great i don't care what what color they are um you should be selling your sport your sport is more popular right now than it's ever been in this moment yeah your job should be furthering that if you want to further that and say you know what now because of all the stuff that happened with jill and joe I don't want to go to the White House. I'd rather go see the Obamas. Mm-hmm. You have that right. That's the beauty part of life. It's a beauty part of relationships. It's a beauty part of having the ability to say whatever you want and being able to communicate. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if animals, when they're when it's a bird that's chirping, if they're really saying something or it's just a sound, <laughs> we get to use words and right. expression. And, you know, we we have that gift. And... She can do whatever she wants with these 15 minutes, but I promise you, Angel Reese, you will never be, you will never have more of a platform than you do right now. Where do you want to burn that energy? This was a And it's okay if you want to do it on, you know, um, systematic racism, because I think what no one's really talking about is, hey, would Jill have invited LSU if they had lost? And I think the answer is no. Mm. And I don't think Jill Biden is someone that is 
by definition racist, but if I do believe that she wouldn't have invited LSU, I think that that's the definition of systemic racism, where it's not overt, it is not acute, but it is obtuse and it's underlying. This is this is good shit right now. That is a tough one because I I could not tell you as much as I follow politics and follow that family just because they're the first family. I got to tell you, I will probably have to agree with you. Hindsight, she would say, of course I would have invited you two as well, but we'll never know. That's right? horseshit because that's politics. We will never know. Jill, Dr. Jill Biden should do a presser and say, you know what? It's a hell of a question. I don't know the answer to that. And I, I was kind of annoyed by you guys not letting me come in there before the game. <laughs> just be honest with it, right? How great would life be if I could just be honest? Mm-hmm. I was kind of annoyed by that. Yeah. And then I listened to the Josh and Show podcast, and Josh said I was a complete idiot for even wanting to infiltrate someone's locker room on either side before the game. You have so much, you have your whole career at stake. You're trying to further your career as a coach, as an assistant coach, as a second assistant coach, as a the, the person who got the water bottles. I mean, everyone is trying their hardest mm-hmm. to win this game. Yeah. The sad part for me here is that uh, the real story, I don't think, is whether or not they're going to go to the White House. And the answer is right now they actually, the team, the girls themselves have said they're not going, but the athletic director and the coaches have, quote unquote, accepted the invitation. So this is going to play out in the next several weeks. Did they go? Did they not go? This is like drama to the nth degree for a flipping visit to the White House. Yeah. She has created such a political mess for herself right now and her husband and the entire White House. It's it's not it was such a snafu. And the thing is, you don't it you don't think that it inherently comes from a bad place, but you know, subconsciously maybe it did come from a bad place. And that's what underlying racism is. Yeah. You know, I just It's how I got to tell you, it's how the girls feel on the team that makes me feel worse. But I was going to ask you this. Uh, there, you sent an article about how Tiger Woods is akin to uh, Caitlin and uh, Fuzzy Fuzzy Zeller, another golf uh, golfer, um, made a comment to Tiger or to other people about Tiger Woods possibly winning the Masters. Um, famous line, you know, just tell him to go serve chicken at dinner or something and not, to not serve to chicken not serve and then chicken. he as he was then he walks back to the camera and he says collard greens or whatever it is that they that serve they, that they serve right so in that in that moment and i don't i remember the racist seemingly racist comment very racist comment how did tiger woods react when he heard that news versus how did reese angel reese react and what's the difference between the two? Do you uh, the remember two, the difference how in the Tiger... situations? He he let Fuzzy let left him ass in the air. Didn't say anything for like a week. Exactly. And then he had like this what it really seemed like Nike, who had just signed him mm-hmm. to a very lucrative deal. At least then a very lucrative yeah. deal. We wouldn't look at it as such now, but for someone who's never played professional golf, what he he had signed for was outrageous. Um, he just kind of let him hang while the press kind of tore Fuzzy apart. And then he finally came and, and um, you know, spoke about it. And he's like, well, I'm disappointed with Fuzzy. You know, whatever he said. But um, what should have happened there 
is that Tiger should have gotten together with Fuzzy privately and said, hey, man, we're kind of boys because they were f- close, but they weren't that close. So they right. would play a practice round together once in a while. And just like, man, were you having a bad day? Was this, was this just because you said this? Because it, it was like to a beat reporter in like, I think it was in Hartford, Connecticut. Yeah, it was like a small time time type but of situation. But of course, even then, that was going to go global whenever you said it, right? Absolutely. So he should have he taken him down and had a conversation with him. And then after he had that conversation with him, he could have written up a release because at some point in time, he had to re- respond to it. And then, you know, he could have responded with some of the conversation that they had had mm-hmm. you know he meant it this way it didn't come across that way and being a person of color i do accept his apology but we all kind of have to do a little bit better at saying saying things that are, you know are, are just a little more common sense like if you meant that as a joke you know we can have that chat Right. You can break my chops yeah, and say that. Yeah, I want that. you to serve some shrimp and grits or wherever Fuzzy Zeller is from. I so, so all right. So here's what it, here's what it comes down to. Okay, so if I if I broke into the NBA, which is largely black, mm-hmm. okay, if if Josh Cup is an almost a fifty year old man, let's say I'm nineteen and I mm-hmm. played one year at Syracuse because I grew up in Central New York, and I averaged thirty points a game, I could make threes from the logo. I could dunk from the free throw line. I had it all, right? And that's what Tiger did. When he, when he broke, yeah. he hit it longer than anyone else. He had the best putting stroke. He did everything better than everyone else, okay? If I was a phenom right now in basketball and everyone knew I was just going to play one year and then I was going to go to the NBA, and that'd be like LeBron because LeBron's at his point in his career that Fuzzy was probably at at his point in time. Mm-hmm. If he said to me, he said, he's a cup. He's like, I know that the rookie of the year gets to pick the meal for the all-star game the next year. He's like, dude, can you please not have, you know, um, what's a what? Like, can you not do caviar and escargot? (laughs) If he sent that to me privately, I'd be like, that's pretty funny. It, no, it, and I'll it would be taken as some, just funny and not right, racist. Right. And and that's the thing. It's like you get so yeah. geared to be sensitive towards whoever the minority is. Right. And furthermore, if LeBron said that about caviar and escargot to a TV station, I still wouldn't care at all. Yeah. But I'm only the minority in that sport. I mean, listen, Tiger being a person of color is the minority in America and the minority in that sport. There was a so whole, it played bad on two fronts. There's a whole movie called White Boys Can't Jump. White Men Can't Jump. Or White Men Can't Jump. Woody Harrelson. Right. But it's it's just tough. I mean, you're, we're bringing up stuff that no one's going to talk about because people are going look to look back on that fuzzy thing and Tiger thing for a very, very, very long time. Right. And it is looked at as overtly racist and... Um, you'll never know how Tiger really felt about that because he's too in corporate pocket and, you know, you might, you know when you might in the next five or ten years. Someone is going to do a really cool interview and say when Fuzzy's dead and gone because Fuzzy's Mm got to be Mm -hmm. 75 now. Mm -hmm. They're going to say, you know, how did you really feel about that? Were you guys close enough to where, if he said that to you personally, would you have cared if it wasn't for public consumption? Right. He, he would probably say, yeah, I would have laughed my ass off. 
And furthermore, it didn't really bother me that much in the moment, but Nike told me it had to bother me. I think that's probably what will end up happening. And this is actually where the point I'm getting at. Tiger Woods, because there was no Twitter, because there was no social media at that time, had time or was forced to take time maybe by his press agents, by Nike's um, marketing team and communications team and to, to prepare for what he should say. And he did handle that brilliantly, but not until like a week or 10 days later. Oh, I don't think he handled it brilliantly. Well, I, I think, but you, as a 21-year-old kid, like what are you going to do? He handled it. It did not. Nike, uh, he felt like I don't think probably he incorrectly. The race card. Because you can make the argument that Tiger at times was bigger than Nike. He was probably the most recognizable person. I think the torch I was passed from Michael Jordan to Tiger Woods. Yes. And then Tiger Woods has dropped along the way because his game has dropped and he's gotten older. You, you can't be a great 47-year-old professional golfer. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, You so, can from time to time, but you can't be the spokesperson for your sport. Mm-hmm. And you could also make the argument that probably Tiger dropped the ball a little bit on what he could have done. With his platform. With his platform. Yeah. So, so going back to Angel Reese, and, and I want to tie it back to you being the father of an athlete, having been an athlete yourself and a coach, I think one of the bigger mistakes or issues is Angel Reese had access to Twitter. She was talking and responding to stuff in real time, I would say probably without much thought. Because if she had time, if Twitter didn't exist or social media, the immediacy of social media didn't exist, I think somebody would have taken her and say, okay, this is what you should say. This is what you could say because it'll actually affect your future brand, the personality, you know, your platform. Um, So there's a lot of danger in some of the tools that are in our hands right now, especially for 20, 21-year-old kids who are feeling a lot of, you know, feeling a lot of high from winning and then the for you know being able to take on a first lady she's drunk with with the spotlight right, right. now there's no question right. and that's the thing is i can't tell yeah someone what to say because that makes me oppressive right yeah so i just say you, you know angel run with it if this is how you feel and you just want to you you know what you feel is social injustice if you if that's your platform if you think you if you think it's She's talking about what's happening in a very literal sense, but it's more about what it really means behind it. So she's not, I don't think she's so much boohooing about a trip to the White House. She's just boohooing about how one of the most powerful women in the world is how she's acting. And do, do, I, do you guys feel like there's some systemic racism underneath what she's saying? And it's not, there's no, I don't think there's a ton of malintent, but inherently it is malicious because it's underlying racism i don't think lsu would have been invited if they had lost so she's taking this moment how she wants to take it Mm -hmm. because some guy who has a restaurant saratoga springs doesn't agree with 100 percent doesn't make it wrong Mm -hmm. i just i listen i'm a white guy in a very white town who has a wine bar restaurant Whose family owns a, the vineyard, who yeah, supplies I mean, the wine. So, I mean, my experience is so different. So for me to be like, right. boy, Angel, you should really just be concentrating on, you know, celebrating your team's success. You shouldn't get in Caitlin Clark's face and you shouldn't be breaking Jill Biden's chops. And you should just go to the White House. Like, I'm not going to say that. Is that how I would handle it? Yes. I was going to ask but you, I've had if, a you pretty cool life. Kim, if you were Coach Kim, how would you handle this? 
Who's coach? What? I'm sorry. Isn't that his her name? The the coach of the LSU team? Oh no! I mean, I she shouldn't be telling her how to handle it either. She's oh. just a jock. I mean, like any college basketball coach there was someone who probably played high school and college basketball at a fairly high level and then coached at a high level and can recruit well and they can bullshit okay that's what a good coach is yeah she's no one she's i mean i don't see her i don't see coach staley from south carolina as being some impeccable person i don't see them any as is is that you know type of i don't I don't see them as great people. I see them as motivators and people that love basketball and can coach it at a high level. But it is not her job, nor does she have any better idea on how to handle what Angel Reese is feeling. If she really feels, you know, that that her best use of these 15 minutes, and it's not 15 minutes, she'll have a month whatever it is. I agree, just maximum. Because let me tell you something, six foot three, 170 pounds, 24-inch vertical leap in the WNBA is a dime a dozen. Your 15 and 10 that you scored in the national championship game, the average team that you're going to face in the WNBA, if she chooses to go in that direction, yeah. which she might not, mm-hmm. because if she stands to make 250 grand a year, she might feel like with the, her degree that she has from LSU and the NIL money that she's made, and maybe she can roll that into an investment or something else, she might feel like she's going to make more money elsewhere. She's not a, a lock to play in the WNBA, mm-hmm. but I can tell you this. Her height and skill set is a dime a dozen in, in the WNBA. How about Caitlin Clarks? I think it, I think if I were if I had the first pick in the WNBA draft and they both came out this year, which they don't, they both have another year of eligibility because of that COVID year. I would take Caitlin Clark. She passes the ball and shoots it at a high clip. And the ones that she makes 40% of the time are worth three, which is the shots that Angel Reese makes 42% of the time are worth two. Do the math. Right. Who would you rather have? And I wouldn't rather have Caitlin Clark because she's white. I could care less about their race. I could care less about their race. I just think she has more value. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, Angel Reese had the third best team, the third best game uh, for LSU in that championship game points and stats wise yeah but it doesn't mean she had a bad game she didn't she had a very nice game but yeah. she had a great tournament but you know if she wants to do this with her month of fame then tip of the cap it has it has value well they there's a lot of talk now how this maybe a manufactured rivalry between Angel Reese and Caitlin, white white girl, black girl, yeah. is quote-unquote good for basketball because it brings attention to basketball. For women's basketball. For Basket, women's ba- basketball, sorry, women's basketball, the sport right. on a whole doesn't need a lot of right. help. It's doing very well. For women's basketball. Women's sports, period, needs yeah. as much help as it can get, certainly professionally. Yeah. It makes for a good story, but I don't. I think it's at the expense of the larger issue which is hey these kids are just kids they still have futures to mm-hmm. live are they doing the best that they're supposed to be doing today to set themselves up for the future yeah. and angels probably teetering on the side of mm, be careful yeah i would say that i mean it comes to the whole podcast is narrative and we got to tie it up yeah okay the whole podcast is about narrative and like what, okay, so there was a basketball game. This team won. They're predominantly black. This team lost. They're predominantly white. The best player on the white team was essentially, was, was, you know, Caitlin Clark is white and, and Angel Reese is black. And 
how do we deal with that narrative? I mean, because there's a lot going on. Women's basketball is in the best spot right now than it has ever been. So we want to roll that into some sort of success. We can't just concentrate on the racial part of this. Are you eating like a piece of gum and Sorry. then just throwing it out every yeah, I just five a minutes? Like flavor. what is happening? <laughs> it's little is, that how, is that how you chew gum? Yeah. <laughs> you have a different piece every 10 minutes yeah. and then just spit out and then keep it. Like, so you're a chain chewer. I am chain Interesting. Sorry. So they were taking a soundbite. They're going to put the soundbite on ESPN because it's so, you know, sports and and race centric. And then it would get interrupted by the, the gum, gum talk. Um, but it was it was fascinating to me what you're Sorry. doing. So I had to talk about it. But we got to watch the narrative. We can't let it go too much in one direction because I think the racial chit chat has tremendous value. Right. And, you know, as being a fan of sports and being someone who coached major women's college sports i root for women's ba- women's basketball to be on on the up and up and on the rise so i mean they're two great items but they're just so different yeah you know yeah. so what's the narrative going to be from this game moving forward i think it's going to be a 50 50 one it's going to be what happened after the game you know what happened with the race card and it's also going to be you know you had two great players playing and you know, and how that played out and how they celebrated afterwards and how one tried to handle it, you know, the old school way. And not surprisingly, you know, Caitlin Clark handled it like, you know, the whole white baseball player narrative up until 1990 when other people started coming in that looked different and celebrated their success within the game differently, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. We're so, just different. So here, I, I'm going to ask you for a prediction. You're going to see a lot of sports this spring and summer between mm-hmm. Zico's baseball, football, golf. Golf. Yeah. What is your prediction? Is is there going to be more of that hand gesture on any of these courts, oh, yeah. fields, or less? It happens all the time. Is it gonna Is it gonna rip through like? sports media like yeah. fire well i mean look kids. at johnny manzel was always like oh, i'm gonna make so much money playing sports so he did that thing where he was like peeling off bills and he was like shooting yes. You know, like, yes so everyone did that for a year but john cena this thing has been going on for a long time but nothing i i had never heard it until now Seiko has celebrated that way before yeah he did that with tennis we were playing in a tennis tournament <laughs> in connecticut and i couldn't i couldn't get very close to the court because in tennis it's really weird the parents aren't allowed anywhere near the court which is really odd yeah and he would do a couple of good plays. And from the, the place where I was watching from, I would kind of do it. Then he would do it back. And it was really fun. But we're doing it to each other, like saying, hey, we're having a good time yeah. and it's going well. He would never go up to the net at the end with a click rackets and kind of do that. Yeah. He would never do that. Right. And I would yank him off that court so fast. I just don't believe in that. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's you wrong. You don't believe in taunting. The taunting. I, don't, I don't believe in a lot of things. Yeah. I don't believe in ghosts, but I don't tell someone they can't watch a ghost hunter show. And yeah. I won't tell Angel Reese that she can't celebrate that way mm-hmm. just because I wouldn't. It's yeah. so dumb to think that your way is the right way. So so again, prediction, mm-hmm. increase in oh, yeah, the tons. see my face. I guess, but it's been around for a decade. I mean, I don't know how, I don't know much about John Cena. I sure as hell don't know much about wrestling, but I know he's been doing it for at least a decade, Ten, maybe 15 least, years. I don't know. Years, right. But it, it will probably go up a little bit, especially for women's. Yeah. women's kind of junior sports. So the next question is, I think there will be certain coaches who will say, guys, cut it out. It ain't happening on my team. Just because it does Well, it's no worse. No, that gesture is no worse than anything else. Yeah. Which I've seen coaches try not to, try to tell their kids, the younger ones. I'm not talking. Yeah. High school, almost uncontrollable. But that's a whole social media thing. Yeah, Everyone exactly. wants to be 
you know, a content provider and they think, you know, just making a good basket or, you know, having a good not enough, overhead right? smash at the net or, you know, sticking one five feet in a long par three. That I mean, that's, that is cool enough. Yeah. You don't also need to provide the extra stuff, but people like to do it. They like to bat, bat flip. They like to celebrate. They, you know, they like to do their thing and there's nothing wrong with that, I guess. Yeah. I, 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 a little to wrap it up. Um, I have a little shout out to my mentor and the person who actually brought me into the lobbying world in Washington. He was a huge sports fan like yourself and a Yaley. And he wrote for the Yale sports. Uh, he was the editor of the Yale sports page or newspaper and he always said whenever we had a win, mm-hmm. whether it's personal or professional, he said we never dance at the goalpost. And okay. I always remembered that. You know, just win, be humble, go to the next Well, that's, job. that's what I'm saying. And there are better ways of saying that. I think, you know, act like you've done it before, I think is a really good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my favorite one that I've heard in this vein yeah. is... Um, when you, you know, when you lose, say very little and when you win, say even less. Mm. Um, but these people don't, they don't, they don't go by that anymore. That's not the, that's not the way of the world, but that I choose, if I were to choose being really good at sports Mm -hmm. at this point in time, if I were a younger person and I was really good at sports, I would, I would abide by that. I don't, it gives me no, it gives me no what gives me joy is waking up early and going and taking batting practice at the Wilton Y all the time and working at it and working at it, not just getting reps, but studying the physics of it and getting up with my dad and, and doing those things and then hitting a home run. The most I'd ever celebrate it is just to put the bat down. And if I were Seiko or if I, you know, my dad did that for me, find Ted in the crowd and just look at him and point to him. That is enough celebration yeah. for me. Flipping the bat, showing up the pitcher, or taunting the trying, other team. That home run, hitting a 450-foot home run is enough. I, why do I need to right. go beyond Everybody that? Everybody knows it, right? But it doesn't make it wrong because someone else disagrees with that. Just like if someone votes for Trump or someone votes for Biden or someone votes for Hillary. It doesn't make them inherently wrong if I didn't think that was the right person to vote for. And that's what the problem is right now. Is everyone everyone gets to have a soapbox to stand on. It's yeah. called Twitter. You know Exactly. So yeah. Go huh? get them, kids. Sorry, went long. The next one's going to be about narratives. Like it. In our own life. Ooh. Whoosh. It's going to be a big one. I may have some confessions. All right. That's all right. (laughs) All right. Have a good one.